Good morning, good morning, good morning. Obstacles and opportunities. Obstacles and opportunities. These are the things that interrupt the rhythms of our life. Obstacles and opportunities are the things that take the journey of life from being just smooth sailing, easy peasy, life on easy street. It's obstacles and opportunities that make the life and the journey of life much more like an up and down, side winding, flip view upside over and topsy turvy ride that life is. It's obstacles and opportunities. Obstacles are the things that we face that hinder us. It's the stuff that trip us up. It's the stuff that we weren't really prepared for. Obstacles are the things that kind of hit you upside the head when you run into them and go, ow, that hurts. Obstacles like a diagnosis that you weren't prepared for. Obstacles like being served divorce papers. Obstacles like finding out you lost your job. Obstacles and opportunities. Whether you plan for these obstacles or not, here they are. And now you, whether or not you're ready for it, whether or not you were prepared for it, whether or not you had planned for it, you now have to figure out how to navigate this obstacle. Obstacles and opportunities. Opportunities are the things that come along that surprise us. Opportunities are the things that come along that are good. Opportunities are the things that come along that kind of accelerate us in the journey of life. At least opportunities are the things that oftentimes will give us a little bit more joy, a little bit more enthusiasm. Opportunities like, congratulations, you got a pay raise. Opportunities like that guy or that girl that caught your eye and you're trying to figure out whether or not you're gonna go talk to him because you wanna be married. Opportunities like an offer you can't refuse. Regardless of how exciting these opportunities might be, oftentimes these opportunities require a decision. And these decisions oftentimes leave us fraught with angst and turmoil of which way is the right way. What should I do? Should I accept the offer or should I refuse the offer? Should I stay where I am and, or should I leave? Should I, should I initiate the conversation with him or with her or should I not? Obstacles and opportunities. We all have them. They are rarely anticipated and they always affect us. When obstacles and opportunities come into our lives, how do we respond? What do we do? The message of the world will tell you that what you do is, is that you, you buckle down, you work harder, you, you have some tenacity, you have some grit. The world will tell you to, to seize the day and, and take, take advantage of every opportunity. The world will tell you to, um, to have good planning or great planning and, and the, wor the world will tell you to have an exceptional work ethic. When opportunities and obstacles come along your way, the world will tell you just do better, do more, work harder. But if you are a follower of Jesus, that is not God's message to you. Obstacles and opportunities. How are we supposed to approach obstacles and opportunities? If you are a follower of Jesus today, the way that you are to approach obstacles and opportunities is radically different than what the world is gonna tell you. Yes, your obstacles and opportunities will probably require great planning, an exceptional work ethic, some tenacity and some grit. 
But none of those things are the things that God calls you to do as a first step. And if you are here today and you are tuning or you're tuning online today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then part of what I'm going to talk about today is going to seem kind of silly. I'm okay with that because much of what Jesus talks about is upside down from the way that we would normally think, normally think. But the Bible says, and I've learned this to be true, that there is a way that seems right to man and in the end is his destruction. The idea is, is that oftentimes what our first instinct is, is not always what God's first instinct for us should be. Obstacles and opportunities. How do we, how should a follower of Jesus respond to the many obstacles and opportunities that are going to come in your journey of life? And the answer is by faith. By faith is how we navigate obstacles and opportunities. And the Bible has a lot to tell us about faith because faith is the most essential element to being a Jesus follower. Faith is the bedrock that an entire way of life and belief system is built on. Faith is essential to starting a relationship with Jesus and to keeping, continuing to follow a relationship with Jesus. It's not surprising the Bible has a whole lot to say about faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You'll have to forgive me. I'm battling a head cold, but we are going to get through this. I promise. It says, we walk by faith, not by sight. I love, I love this quote by Dr. Tony Evans. It says, if all you see is all, if what you see, if all you see is what you see, you will never see all there is to be seen. Say that five times fast. If all you see is what you see, then you will never see all there is to be seen. What does that mean? It means that as a follower of Jesus, you and I are called not to, not to live, not to approach, not to, not to make our way through life just by the things that we see. We are called to navigate, to take the steps of our day by faith, not by sight. As a follower of Jesus, you have access to more than just your five senses. And unless you learn to tie into, unless you learn to tap into the, the by faith, the, the things that God wants you to be able to sense and see and perceive about who he is and what he's doing and where he's leading you in your life. If you never learn to tap into that, then you will never see all there is that God wants you to see in this world. And you never experience all the things that God wants you to experience in this life. We walk by Faith. Romans 1.17 says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now the just is a reference to the people who have a relationship with Christ. It's the people that have been redeemed. It's a, it's a shorthand of a phrase justified. And to be justified means that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a term that says that, that your debt, that the ledger on, of your life was skewed heavily because of your sin towards death. But because of Christ, you have been justified. And now you no longer, the ledger no longer drips with your sin. It now drips with the grace of forgiveness of Jesus, and you have now been justified in Christ because of your faith in Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection. 
And what this is saying is, is that for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Notice this, from faith to faith. What does that mean? Well, it means what I, what I alluded to just a minute ago, that, that faith is required to start the journey with Jesus. The beginning, when it says from faith, it's talking about the faith required for salvation. But then it says to faith. That's the faith required for obedience. You have to have faith to start your relationship with Jesus. You have to have faith to continue in your relationship with Jesus. Notice what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6. He says, he's, he's writing to his protege, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. He says, Timothy, this is what you gotta do. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. He is giving his protege some tough encouragement. Have you ever received some tough encouragement? Can I tell you, sometimes we think about encouragement um, as something that should be like fun. And usually it is. Most encouragement I like to receive is of the good, you know, make me feel better kind. But, but how many of you know that sometimes some of the most encouraging things you can ever receive is tough encouraging, and tough encouragement really doesn't make you feel that much better in the moment. Paul has given Timothy some tough encouragement. This is what he's saying. He said, hey, Tim, you're gonna have to fight, bro. This word fight is derived from the Greek word um, that literally means uh, it, it is in reference to a military and athletic context that describes the concentration, the discipline, the conviction, and the effort needed to win. Can I tell you, our men and women in uniform don't go through hours and hours and hours of grueling training because it's fun. They go through hours and hours and hours of grueling training because they want to win. And winning for them is very different than winning for you and me. For you and me, it can be a political thing. It can be a philosophical thing. It can be an agenda-based thing. Winning for them determines whether or not they come home. From an athletic standpoint, not that anybody's watching or cares, but the NBA Finals is happening right now. I can promise you that Steph Curry wasn't putting up jump shots in January just because it was fun. He was putting up jump shots because he wanted to win. And what Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Tim, listen, if you want to know, understand how to win in this life, you have to understand two things. Number one, you have to understand that you're gonna have to live by faith, not by sight. And number two, it's gonna be a fight. It's gonna require hard work, concentration. It's gonna require dedication and discipline in order for you to get there. And if all of this wasn't enough for us, God tells us in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Think about that. You can go to church, you can serve and discover kids, you can serve on setup and teardown, and you can brush the toilets with a toothbrush all on the same Sunday. You can be here from the butt crack of dawn until whenever they kick us out of here. And you can do that week after week after week after week. And you can even sit in the front row and shout amen when you get a chance to be here and make the preacher feel better. You can, you can give, you can, you can worship with both hands up and make the worship team feel like you're, you're paying attention. Can I just tell you, by the way, 
I've yet to meet somebody that's pulled a muscle doing this while singing, right? So if you're worried about it, I know, you know there's a lot of concerns. It's okay. You just do this from sometime. Just try it. You'll, you'll feel something inside and, and, and you're gonna wanna embrace that because it's gonna feel good. Okay, and then while you're doing that and you're moving your mouth, go ahead and put some like noise behind it. Now you might find that somebody in front of you turns around and does this. There's a reason I sit on the front row so nobody can do that. What is funny though is sometimes I learn like they've got some microphones up here that help the band because the band has um, uh, earbuds in so they can, there's like a click and keep everybody on track and all that stuff. And uh, they also, some of them, they can control it themselves. Some of them control a little bit of the crowd mics so they can hear, because they can't hear what you're doing unless they turn the volume up on these microphones. And what's funny is, is Brian will, will sometimes tell me on a Sunday, like, man, you were really into worship Sunday. <laughs> the first time he said that, I was like, how'd you know? And he goes, I heard you. And I turned you down. Michael Heater, I've heard you sing. <laughs> there will be a special place in the heavenly choirs for both of us, I promise you. Without faith, you can do all that stuff, but if you don't have faith, you're never gonna please God. So today what I wanna do is I wanna kick off a summer series. We do this in the summer. We, we take a section of scripture and we dive deep into it and, and uh, unpack it kind of word by word, verse by verse kind of. And so I wanna encourage you to bring some notes, whatever that looks like for you. But we're gonna be this summer in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in a series titled By Faith. You're gonna see that word come up a lot as we run through this. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn about some people in the Bible that overcame some pretty remarkable things. And my hope in this series is I want, to, I want you to learn how to approach and respond to the many different obstacles and opportunities in your life in a way that is pleasing to God and brings hope to you. Because there's a way to do both. And today I wanna to start by answering four questions. And I believe it doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, or how you've got into this place today. I believe that every single one of us is asking one of these four questions. And what are the questions? They are this, number one, what is faith? Number two, how do you get it? Number three, how do you keep it? Or number four, how do you grow it? At some level, when it comes to the process and the journey with Jesus, all of us are gonna ask these questions. So I wanna start today by answering the question, what is faith? To answer this, I believe it would be most helpful to talk about what faith is not. A lot of people who are skeptics and critics of Jesus and the Christian movement and all that stuff, oftentimes have a hard time understanding the concept of faith because for a lot of people, faith just seems like a crutch for the simple-minded. Faith seems, seems like a, uh, you know, a white flag for the, the, uh, the intellectual lightweights. And so when something gets meaty, when something gets hard, and you don't know how to answer it, you don't know what the Bible says about it, or you don't really know how to rationalize or, 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 or connect the dots of what's going on in our world with, with who God is and what the Bible's doing, then oftentimes what happens is people just go, well, I have faith. I want to help you see today that's not what faith is. I love what apologist Tom Price says. He says that Christian faith is not belief in the absence of evidence. It is the proper response to the evidence. I think he's exactly right. Romans chapter one tells us that the, that the evidence of God, the attributes of God are clearly seen throughout all creation. 
So if somebody is interested and curious to know who God really is, then the promise is, is that as they explore and seek who God really is, if they will ask genuinely and honestly, God will show exactly who he is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, where we're gonna start today, the Bible tells us this about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He gives us two components to what faith is. I wanna break it down for you. First, notice it says that faith is the substance of the things that are hoped for. What does this mean? This word substance comes from the Greek word that literally means the essence or the reality of. It, it captures the idea that, that, that there is something that stands underneath the thing that serves as the foundation. It serves as the support. The, the substance is the thing that the, that the thought or the truth is built on. All right, so, so there is something that is, that is undergirding us and, and that, that, that thing that God wants us to understand that undergirds why we believe in Jesus, why we serve the world, why we attend church, why we participate in the spiritual practices is because of faith. It, it is the thing that is the, the thing that's underneath that holds up our lives. Goes on to say that faith is not just the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things that are not seen. This word evidence comes from the Greek word that means that, that there was a test or a trial that shows what a thing really is. It shows it as it truly is. And so faith then is, is not something that is just done blindly. Faith is now done as, as things come up. It serves as evidence that God really is who he says he is, that Jesus really is who he says he is, that the Holy Spirit can do what he says he can do in our lives. Faith is the substance of what is hoped for. All the things that we hope for is built on this, this undergirding of faith and it is the evidence, it is the proof of all the things that we have not yet seen. In other words, when you put it together, faith holds as a true, uh, faith holds as true the invisible reality of spiritual things. Not only does faith hold as true the visible reality of invisible things, but it also holds true the trustworthiness of God's future promises. I'm gonna break this down a little bit more. I heard, um, I've heard several people use this definition. I don't know who originally originated it, and since you probably don't know either, you can just attribute it to me. But in other words... Faith is believing something is so when it isn't so because God said it's so. Now that's fun, let's say that together. Faith is believing something is so when it isn't so because God said it's so. Now I had to work really hard to not insert my Arkansas roots into this because I really wanted to say, faith is believing something is when it ain't because God said it is. But I didn't want to you know, confuse anybody. Faith is believing something is so when it isn't so because God said it so. Faith is believing that your marriage can be healthy and strong when it isn't healthy and strong because God said he wants it to be healthy and strong. Faith is believing that you can overcome addiction. You can overcome bitterness. You can overcome forgiveness because God said he has given you the opportunity to be set free from those things. Faith is believing that God is with me in the difficult, dry, dreary, frustrating, disappointing seasons because God said, I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. Faith 
is believing something is so when it isn't so because God said it so. That's what faith is, but what can faith do? Let me tell you what faith can do. With faith, you can view every future hope as promised in the scriptures like it is a past reality. I wanna sit on this for a second. Somebody needs to be encouraged by this today. With faith, what can faith do? With faith, you can view every future promise as as directed and dictated and defined by scripture, by God. You can view every future promise as a past reality. In other words, it's a foregone conclusion. It's already done. It's just a matter of time until my life catches up to a reality that is already existing. What does this look like? Well, Jessica and I, when we began the process to start Discover Church, we started Discover Church in 2018, in August of 2018, but the process began years earlier. The biggest faith step that we took to start the journey was when I stepped down from my position at the church that I was serving, and in January of 2017, we took a massive step in faith that God was gonna lead us to start this church. Can I tell you, through the process, one of the most common conversations that I had was one person after another asking one version or another of this question, are you scared? Are you afraid? And I just had this weird feeling. My response was usually like, you know what? I probably should be. But I'm so convinced that God has called us to this. My faith is so great that God has called us to this, that God has has led me through his word. He has confirmed it through prayer. He's brought people around us who know us well, who have observed our life and the different seasons of it that have affirmed that we are moving in the right direction. And our faith is so strong and so confident in what God is doing. I ain't scared of nothing. God's gonna start this church and it's gonna blow us away. I couldn't have imagined that on our first day we'd have over 500 people here. You're asking, well, one, two, three, where'd they all go? Well, (laughs) it's kind of like the same thing that's happening to all of us in our bank accounts. Like, where'd all the money go? Amen, somebody? Somebody told me, um, if you're new with us, we started a, um, a, a two-year uh, vision campaign in the spring. Somebody came up to me and said, man, you got great timing. Starting a, a vision campaign and a financial component to it in the middle of the highest inflation in the history of America. And I go, you're welcome. <laughs> I probably should have been scared, but I wasn't. You know why? Because in my mind, God had already started Discover Church. It was just a matter until me and Jess caught up to it. In my mind, there were people who were already gonna be saved and serving at Discover Church. It was just a matter of time until me and Jess had the opportunity to meet them. By faith, you can view every future hope as determined by scripture as a past reality. That's what faith is, that's what faith can do. It's believing something is so when it isn't so because God said it's so. What's the second question? How do you get faith? The only way that I know how to get faith is by making one very important decision to trust in God. The question, is God trustworthy, is the ultimate question that all matters of faith hang on. 
Is God trustworthy? Can I trust him? There's a lot of things that his book says about him. There's a lot of things that his book says that he is capable of. There's a lot of things his book says that he can do. Is God trustworthy? And here's what I've learned. I've learned that the power of faith is not found in the person practicing faith. The power of faith is found in the object of your faith. When the object of your faith is the almighty, all-powerful creator God, you have something stable and sturdy to hang your faith on. But ultimately, it's a decision that you have to make. A couple years ago when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, we were down again. How many of y'all had faith that Mahomes was gonna pull it off? One real Chiefs fan. I wish that they could be here to see you, my man. Anything that you choose to have faith in, it's really not about you. You have faith that if you go to the bank today, you could pull some money out of it. Can I tell you that has nothing about, that has nothing to do with you. You have faith that your money is in the bank. And if you go there and say, I would like to have some money, please, and they go, what money? You're gonna have some real faith crisis issues. And I have to believe you probably have to be saying some things that you might have to ask forgiveness for. How do you get faith? You have to make the decision to trust in God. When someone makes a decision to trust in Christ for salvation, you are doing this as a step of faith. You are doing this believing that when God says in Psalm 103, that as far as the east is from the west, so how far has he removed our transgressions from us, right? What that saying is, is that when you put your faith in Christ, it separates, God is separating you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. And when you, when you place your faith in Christ, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I know that you say in your word that you are perfect and holy and you can't be in the presence of sin, but you also say that you wanna have a relationship with me and so I'm putting my faith, I'm trusting in you that you actually can separate me from my record. That you can separate me from my past. You can separate me from the things that cause me to feel guilty and feel shameful. I'm trusting and believing that you can separate those things from me because if you don't and I come into your presence, I'm gonna be in trouble. You have to trust in God. It takes faith for us to believe in this. If you don't have faith that God can do this, then you're gonna have a hard time understanding how to have a legitimate relationship with him in Christ. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 verse three gives us an example of faith. He says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What does this mean? It means it takes faith for us to believe that an invisible God created all of the visible elements of our known world. I just need to offer some encouragement here because some of you have maybe grown up and you have been chastised because you had a hard time accepting the creation account. 
that you were in science class and you were in high school science and biology or you were in university uh, you know, chemistry class, whatever, and, and, and they presented a compelling argument that made you question and doubt the creation account. Can I just tell you, God's telling you right here, that's gotta be something that's done by faith. Now there's a lot of evidence Faith isn't just willy-nilly. Remember, it is the evidence of things not yet seen, right? So, so we don't have faith based in just blind faith. There's faith based on the evidence, but faith is still required. I've said this before, but sometimes I feel like I've gotta be probably the craziest person on the planet. I mean, th- have you ever thought and stopped and thought about if Jesus isn't real, what the relationship a Jesus follower has with an invisible, non-existent person? I mean, think about it from my perspective. I spent an exorbitant amount of time reading a book written by my imaginary friend. And I spent a lot of time talking to my imaginary friend. I asked my imaginary friend to help me. I asked my imaginary friend to help my children. I asked my imaginary friend to keep me from killing my children. I asked my imaginary friend to help my wife and all her issues. And now I'm gonna be asking my imaginary friend to help me when I get home today. (laughs) And as a chosen profession, I've chosen as a job to tell as many people as possible about my imaginary friend. It takes faith. God never said it's not gonna take faith. It's gonna take faith. You're gonna have to have faith in the journey. You're gonna have to have faith in the process. You are gonna have to trust in God. But here's the deal. We can have some confidence because the same faith that's required to believe that God, the invisible God created all the visible elements of the earth is the same faith that's required to believe that George Washington was our first president. You weren't there. Some of you might think that your mother-in-law was there. Not me, because she goes to this church and I would never say anything like that about her. It's the same kind of faith that's required to believe that Alexander the Great was a great world-dominating conqueror and a king. You have faith that people were there and they recorded it, they wrote it down. Same is true with the Bible. It takes faith to believe in these things. You have to choose to trust in God. We get faith by choosing to trust in God. Third question, how do you keep your faith? Can I tell you, this is an incredibly important question, especially if you were here today and you were going through a difficult time. I know that the conditions of a world and the climate of the world today affects some of us, it can just roll off our backs and doesn't really bother us, so we can just keep soldiering on. And, and for others of us, the, just the relenting never-ending seeming sound of bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news weighs on us. How do you keep your faith? The only way to keep your faith is to choose to believe in God's track record. Why did I have faith that we could win the Super Bowl? Because we done been down a whole lot, a whole lot of times, and for some reason we just like to play that way and we just keep coming back and winning. The entire time I was watching the Super Bowl, I kept waiting for the big play. I didn't know it was going to be Wasp. But I kept thinking, I remember sitting there talking to the people I was watching. I was like, man, we've done this before. We can come back. I had faith. Why? Because I believed in the track record. This week I had lunch with uh, 
Chris Height, one of the awesome men in our church, and he was sharing with me something that was really cool. I just asked him, man, what's God teaching you? What's God been showing you? And, and he said, you know, man, um, it's, been a, it's been a crazy ride. Chris and his wife, Whitney, spent years trying to get pregnant. I have their permission, by the way, to share this story. The only time I share a story that I don't have permission from them might be somebody that lives in my house, but I always try to ask for, forget, for permission first. And if not, then I'll ask for forgiveness and ask you to pray for me. But Chris said, man, it's been such a crazy journey. I mean, we spent years trying to get pregnant. It was a long, dark, lonely, frustrating road. I can remember times they would come in and I'd pray with them in hopes that, that this next round of treatment was gonna work and that they would be able to conceive and have a child. And, and I remember my heart being broken with them and for them when they would come and they would tell me it didn't work. And now their little one is four months old. And I was asking him, or he was telling me this week, he said, you know, here's the crazy thing, and I wanna make sure I say this right. He said, you know, when I look back on all of it now, I see that it was all perfect. All of the ups and the downs, that God was with us every step of the way. There was, there's nothing we would change about it. You see, for Chris and Whitney, they're in this place now where, where whatever the next big faith step is for them, I don't know what it's gonna be, they're gonna be able to look back and see God's track record. Not the track record of God answering a very specific prayer. They're gonna be able to see God's track record of being present. They're gonna see God's track record of being loving. They're gonna see God's track record of him intervening and interceding and, and reminding them over and over and over again, I love you, I care about you. The things that break your heart matter to me and I am with you as you were in the struggle. And I would be willing to bet that if you were to look back on the story arc of your life, that you would be able to look back and you would be able to see moments, even in the hardest times, little glimpses and little things where God was dropping little Easter eggs in so that you could know, I am with you. You're not alone. In order to keep your faith, you have to believe in God's track record. And lastly, how do you grow the faith? James 2, 17 tells us, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you want to grow your faith, you have to act on it. Here's what's tricky about faith. It will often require you to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof that it's gonna happen. And so many of us wait to see the visible proof before we go into action. We wait around, God, just show me. God, just show me which door do you wanna open? God, you open the door that no man can shut. You close the door that no man can open. God, I'm just gonna wait for you. I'm gonna wait for you. I'm gonna wait for you. And in the words of the great theologian, one of our very own Kendall Hale, who once told me, you know, it's a lot easier to steer a bicycle when it's in motion. He made the connection for me because I'm from Arkansas and that's, you know, He said, it's a lot easier for God to provide direction when you've already decided you're gonna take faith and start moving. You see, we spend so much time waiting for God to move, waiting for God to move, waiting for God to move, and all that God is doing most of the time is like, listen, would you just get up? Like, I don't even need you to do a lot, just stand up and lean forward, and as you're falling, I'll guide you. Listen, if you're gonna sit around and wait all your life and wait and wait and wait, wait for God to show up, wait for God to move, can I tell you, you're gonna die with a lot of bed sores. 
Hebrews 11.2 says, for by it, faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. These elders are, the, are the, 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 the people of the Old Testament. That's what the author of Hebrews is referencing here. The, the people that the Jewish people who this book was originally, this letter was originally written to was an audience of Jewish people who had become followers of Jesus and they're navigating how what they knew in the law of the Jewish Old Testament intersects with, with the reality of the person of Jesus Christ. And, and he's writing this letter and he said, listen, it's by faith that the elders, all the people that you know of, all of the, the people written in the law of the Old Testament, that's how they obtained a good testimony. This, this phrasing, obtained a good testimony, in English is not a great translation. What it, the, the original language, what it, what it literally means is that they, were, they won God's approval. By faith, they won the approval of God. And so for the rest of this summer, what I wanna do is I wanna look at these elders. A lot of pastors and theologians refer to them as the, the heroes of the faith as, as Hebrews chapter 11 is gonna go on and lay out a whole score of people that we're gonna go back and we're gonna read about their life and their story in the Old Testament. And as we do, here's my hope for you. My hope for you is that if, if these people are familiar to you, if these stories are, are, if you've heard these stories before, my hope is that you and I, as we walk through this book and this study this summer, is that we would not see these as, as flat images on a painted canvas of our mind of, of who these people are or, 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 or maybe, maybe some cold three-dimensional sculpture of a statue that helps us to think who they are. What I want you to see is that these were real people, just like you, just like me, that were going through their life. They were going through, they had obstacles in their life. They had opportunities in their life. Some of them were single, some of them were married, some of them had children. And one opportunity, one obstacle after another came up and popped up in their life. And what they begin to learn is that the way that I navigate these obstacles and opportunities, the way that I, I get through and get around and get over and enjoy the things that I'm going through in this life it's not by my own self-will. It's not by my own planning. It's not by having more grit and tenacity and determination. It's not by working my way there. It's not by willing my way there. As a real person who has real stuff in my life, what God wants us to see as we study their lives is that the same way that they got around and through and over, the obstacles and opportunities of their life are the same way that you and I are gonna get over and around and through the obstacles and opportunities of our life. And the way that we do that is by faith. What is the hope that my marriage can be, get better? The hope is that by faith it will. How will my relationship with my parents or my children get better? By faith it can. How am I ever gonna find a job? By faith, you will. I'm in a storm and I feel like everything is crashing down around me. The foundation is falling apart. How will I ever get through this storm? By faith. I'm chained and shackled to an addiction I've been trying to break free from it for years. 
And every time I seem to break free, it reaches out and latches on to me yet again. How will I ever overcome this addiction, this stronghold in my life? By faith. You don't understand, a lot of people say they have the worst boss ever, but I literally have the worst boss ever. I have to ask for forgiveness when I go home because I've thought about throat punching him. How am I gonna navigate this conflict? How am I gonna navigate the conflict with my coworkers? There's times where I come home and I just feel, ugh. There's times I show up to work and I feel miserable. How can I ever get through this? By faith. The whole world just feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket and I just feel overwhelmed. I feel distressed. I feel dismayed. I feel like every time I talk to somebody, it's about one other bad thing that happened in the world. I pull up social media and there it is again, something else, some other bad thing that happened. I, 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 I don't know if anybody still watches cable news, but if you do, it's breaking news. Some terrible, awful thing is about to happen again. And I just can't even with this right now. I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how to be a good husband, a good wife. I don't know how to be a good parent. I don't know how to be a good son or a daughter. I don't know how to be a good friend. I don't know how to, how do I get through this? By faith. As a follower of Jesus, the way to find hope for your hardships and guidance in your uncertainty is by faith. And our study this summer is going to allow us to see real people through a lens that you can find a connection to them for the purpose of you understanding the power of choosing to live by faith. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen, I understand that a lot of people in the world, they have a hard time understanding Jesus. Sometimes people will refer to Jesus or faith or Christianity as just a crutch. What I think is interesting about that is that when you think about what a crutch is for, I mean, a crutch is for, for somebody to use, you know, you got a busted knee or a busted ankle or a broken foot or something like that. And crutch is something that you can you can rely on so that you can kind of still get your way through it. It, it carries the connotation that, that, that you are generally speaking well enough, but you just need a little bit of help. When I hear that metaphor that is used as to why people have a hard time with Jesus, it, it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. And I don't want to be rude or disrespectful, but... <laughs> The Bible's portrayal of you is not that, not that you just need a little bit of help, you just need a crutch. Can I tell you, it's actually a lot worse than that. The Bible's portrayal of you and the Bible's portrayal of me is not that we're generally well and we just need a little bit of help. The Bible's portrayal of you and me is that we are dead, we are helpless, we, are, we, can't, we can't do it on our own. You, 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 listen, you don't need just a little bit of help. You, 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 can go, you can go get a little bit of encouragement. You can go get a scratch and win lotto ticket and get a little bit of help. You can go get a rabbit's foot and rub it and maybe something will work out for you. That's what you do when you need just a little bit of help. Can I tell you that the reality for you and for me is not that we need a little bit of help. We need to be totally made new. We need a total overhaul. We need new life because we are 
dead. We are broken, spiritually speaking. Apart from Christ, there is nothing good in us. You go, well, that's not very encouraging. I don't understand why you would tell me that if your goal is to get me to love your Jesus. You see, you and I need to know that because the good news of Jesus gets even better. Because so many people view Jesus as a crutch, they view Jesus as like this cosmic killjoy in the sky or, or this cosmic genie in the sky. And, 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 and he's, you know, he just kind of only cares when we, we call out we're in need or he only cares when we're asking for some help. But the truth about Jesus is so much better than that. The truth about Jesus is that there is no part of your life that he is not intimately concerned about. Jesus isn't interested in just being a crutch. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and died the death that we deserve to die so that he could give us the life that he had. And scripture says this, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes under righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What does that mean? It means the remarkable story of the hero, Jesus, who died for the villain, you. It's not just a story, it's fact. And I wanna invite you to see today that perhaps you would recognize you don't need a crutch. You need a whole new life. And you can have it by faith. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word faith to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word faith to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.